if I'm a pipeline strategist and my job is to help us increase pipeline, pipeline starts with who we're targeting and are we targeting the right people? And if we are targeting the right people, then we will know that if we are able to close those deals as quickly as possible. Welcome to the OpStars podcast. We host authentic conversations with revenue operations professionals running the show behind the scenes, holding things together, doing whatever it takes to innovate to solve problems, build processes, and manage the data to build a modern revenue engine that powers a great buyer experience. I'm your host, Rachel McBrearty. Hi, everyone. I'm Rachel McBrady, the CCO of Lean Data. Welcome to today's episode where I'm joined by Crystal Dial. Welcome, Crystal. Hi. Nice to see you. I was introduced to Crystal by a prior guest, Justin Smith. I'm excited that he made this connection. She works as a pipeline strategist at Panther, and we're going to discuss what this emerging role really means and how she found herself in it. Panther is a cloud-scale security analytics platform that alleviates the pain of traditional SEM with detectors as code and scalable security data lake. Crystal brings over seven years of experience in various sales and rev ops roles in leadership positions. And prior to her current role, she was director of revenue operations at Capacity, that's where she met Justin, and a manager of sales development at Biz Library. Crystal also previously ran a fitness and wellness business for over seven years through which she helped hundreds of people to improve their quality of life, both physically and emotionally. Very interesting background, Crystal. Tell us about your career journey. What led you to this role at Panther? Yeah, so I think it's a common sentiment, I feel like, when I talk to others who have made it to this space, they usually say like, this isn't the job that we thought of when we were going to grow up. Right. And so my career goal was to actually become a personal trainer because I loved health and wellness. I loved fitness. I really wanted to really increase my awareness so I can live a healthier lifestyle and then teach other people how to do that. And so when I was in that role, I I quickly realized that it was really about the sales processes that had to be in place in order for me to be successful. And so this was my first introduction to creating repeatable sales processes. So if I knew that I took my clients through process A, B, C, and D, I would likely have a 33% close rate. And so I did that. Again, that was my first taste of it. And so... Eventually, I needed to get out of the personal training industry just for personal reasons. And I found myself at this library as a sales development representative. In that role, I was able to take this foundation of sales processes and really just apply it to the SDR role that I was doing. I realized there that if I could do the same thing over and over and over again with personality, <laughs> then I would be able to see repeatable results as well. It was not long before I was one of the top, well, the top SDR. I helped bring in over $400,000 of revenue from opportunities that I had sourced in my first 30, 60, 90 days. Like it was just really quick. And so at that point, I was appointed to be the manager when our manager stepped out of that role. And I was actually on PTO that day and I get a text message to say like, they're switching roles and we want you to be the manager. And I was like, Awesome. I've never managed a team like this before, but we'll figure it out. But even in my role, I was really focused on teaching others how to have repeatable processes so that they can grow and scale in their their role as well. 
So yeah, then I got to capacity where I was going to be running their BDR team to help establish some processes there. I was actually on maternity leave when they were like, hey, can you actually head up sales operations and you get back? Because the processes that you've been implementing in in the BDR team, we think could be helpful, you know, sales org wide. And then I did that role for a little while. And then they pulled me into revenue operations so I could oversee the marketing operations, sales operations, CS operations, and parts of like finance operations and partnership operations. So like all of these things that like I could bring my, you know, my framework process oriented mind to establish repeatable processes for the organization. That's how I got here. To least that to revenue operations. (laughs) And then coming over to Panther, I was presented with this role of pipeline strategist. And when the role was being described to me at first, I was like, it sounds like something that I've been working towards, so to speak. It sounds like something that all revenue operations departments strive to. Like we always try to have processes in place. We're always working on the tactical stuff, but the strategy part is always missing because we're always spread so thin doing the tactical stuff. And so being presented a job that would allow me to really focus on the strategy aspect was really, really exciting to me which is why I decided to join Panther is to focus on that aspect of the job. That's very interesting. You talked about your ability to design processes, put processes in place, led you through some of these career steps. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about what you mean by putting the process in place. What does process mean to you and how do you think about it? Yeah, I always think about processes like really at the brass tacks. If I'm a rep, like what are the day-to-day things that I have to do to be successful? And how do those things like tie up to reporting? So like one of the first things that that I brought to capacity was basically a faster way to report on SDR commissions. And so how can we track meetings more effectively? And is everybody doing it the same way? So that at the end of the month, when we're ready to run commissions, we're not working out of spreadsheets, we're working directly out of the CRM system and everybody's following the same process. So really at any point, you can look back into the CRM and see if there are, you know, how many meetings have been set, how many meetings have been held. So if something seems off, you can shorten the inspection period to say, oh, well, I know that I had two meetings yesterday, but they're not in Salesforce. I can go fix that right away. And so just little things like that. And that's just an example of something that when it comes to processes. Starting with the goal and then also looking at those metrics that you need to know if you're going to be accomplishing that goal is at the heart of it. Okay, so pipeline strategist. I have never heard of this before, this role. You mentioned that there aren't too many of you out there. So how did this role come about? Did you suggest it? Was it an opening? How did you learn about it? And how many more are there out there? So there's like on LinkedIn, there's like two other people. And actually my job is pretty much modeled off of those two other people. So my my boss, his name is Hero. He came from a company called Duo. And Duo, I think, had like the first like inception of this role, the high pipeline strategist. The pipeline strategists at that company, I can't speak to too much as far as like exactly how they did the role, but it was kind of the idea of like, running campaigns. So if you have a certain campaign you want to run, like, can you make sure that you get all of the assets together, like the training around it? So everybody's basically like, we're going to run this campaign. So is everybody on the same page you're running the campaign? So that was kind of the idea of pipeline strategy from 
that from that angle. And so when I thought about pipeline strategy, I really thought about it from the angle, are we targeting the right accounts? And are we able to prioritize the accounts that the sales team is, is going after? If I'm a pipeline strategist and my job is to help us increase pipeline, pipeline starts with who we're targeting and are we targeting the right people? And if we are targeting the right people, then we will know that if we are able to close those deals as quickly as possible. And so it's really about, are we targeting the right accounts? Are we prioritizing them? And how quickly are they moving through the pipeline? Like, what is the pipeline velocity of those things? And so that's pretty much the angle of the job that I I look at it through. And basically, my entire strategy is really about like, how can we target the right accounts in the most efficient way? And just using technology to help us accomplish that task. Very, very cool. Also, buying groups, do you also think about who within those accounts we go after? Is that part of the targeting? So how does that factor in as well? Yeah, the personas, of course, are always really important. And so we actually just partnered with the company Sixth Sense to help us with all this stuff. And so Sixth Sense has been an amazing partner, one, just like making sure that we align with their strategies, but also like they value the same things we do. And so they really do help provide with the insight of like, are we targeting the right accounts? And then we can basically do segments based off the personas that we want to push our messaging to. And so that is, yes, a huge part of this. And again, a huge reason, it's a huge part of our strategy is to understand like who that buyer is, be able to see that within Salesforce, and then be able to equip the team with the right messaging to those prospects so that we go in and we know that we're creating this like omnipresent type of experience for the prospects so that when they think of security challenges, then they've already seen our impressions and they've already seen some messaging from us so that, you know, hopefully when, you know, if and when they're looking, then we're the the obvious choice. Excellent. So what's a day in the life of someone in your role or what's a day in the life for you in this role? (laughs) I mean, my role is just like it was like in my revenue operations role where it's, it's a very, very cross departmental collaborative role. And so because everything that I do touches so many different departments, I have to work so closely with a lot of people within our organization. So I work really, really closely with marketing, really to understand one, like of the accounts that we're targeting, are we targeting the right ones? And what kind of messaging are we sending to them? And then shortly after that, I'm working with the sales team to make sure that they are able to see the right accounts that they should be prioritizing for the day. And then I'm also working with customer success and our sales engineers team to make sure that our sales processes are aligned so that we're all speaking from the same book, the same page, the same hymnal. Because if the pipeline velocity slows down, there's got to be some bottleneck in the sales process. And it could have happened at the front of the funnel or it could have happened in the middle of the funnel. And so it's my job to be able to just kind of understand where those bottlenecks are and then just meet with the right stakeholders to help remove that bottleneck. You established those target companies, you're using Sixth Sense to help continue to identify and make sure you're reaching them. It's interesting that you also are looking at velocity as a metric that shows that you've actually gotten the right folks into the, the pipe. Because if you're doing everything right, they should be a best fit customer. What are some of the the points in the process that 
slow things down? What are those speed bumps or breaks that you find as you're looking across orchestrating this? I think more will surface over time. But I think that like right now, because pipeline strategy is just, it's a new role for all of us, but also our sales processes are still maturing. And so a lot of the first things that we're doing is just establishing what are the right mile markers that we all want to pay attention to. So if we're getting stuck at a mile marker, then we all can say, okay, well, we're just not getting quite past this part. And we can all see that together. So that's number one, which is just like, are we all on the same page as far as like, what are those, those stages that we're all paying attention to? So, you know, we've done that. And so now it's really about like the, like we do... Uh, proofs of concept, like that's another big one for us, where we just want to make sure that we have the right processes in place and everybody's running the same thing so that we can, again, move through, again, like the, those processes as quickly as possible. So it's really, again, it, to me, it's about you have to be on the same page as far as the milestones are, because then it is so much easier to identify like, where the bottlenecks are. And again, right now we've just launched them. And so over time, we'll be able to make it faster, increase those conversion rates. Excellent. I have a very tactical question. How are you managing it? Are you opening opportunities? Like if you find you've got that target account, you've got a number of buyers from that account that you're sensing, do you open an opportunity and use that as the way to manage how you're doing? Like, what are you doing in the system to, to know yeah. how you're tracking? Yeah. So we do open up the opportunity at the moment that the meeting is set. So we basically have like a zero stage opportunity at that point so that we can do a few things. One, it's a very objective moment in the sales process that like, it's not based on qualification. I mean, we set a meeting for a reason with somebody because we, we think we can sell to them. And so at that point, it becomes an opportunity. And at that point, like we can close lost it if for whatever reason, they didn't show up or, you know, maybe we did some pre-call with them and they're just like, not a good fit. And that's okay because if the opportunity to me is like the easiest way to close feedback loops, right back to marketing, right back to the pipeline strategy team to say of the accounts that we are targeting, are we first able to get traction to get them to want to hold a meeting with us? And if we can, then how many of those are making it to discovery? How many of those are making it to our technical process? How many are making it to a proof of concept? And so we are able to really see the quality of them. But the first milestone is, can we engage them enough to want to have a meeting with us? And so that's why we open at, at, the, at that moment. I know there's a lot of controversy around it, but I was like, I like objective. Like, I don't want anybody to question on if something's qualified or not. If we set a meeting, that is the time we should open up the opportunity because it's black or white at that point. I know sometimes it can be controversial too. It's like, in sales processes, you want certain things to be very black and white so that you have very, very clear milestones that we're trying to work towards. Yeah, great. I, I think there is a good mindset shift to recognizing that those opportunities need to be opened early, not just when they feel like there can be a quantified number that goes into them because then you have that visibility that used to be that black hole and you could, you can't manage it or measure it. It's hard. And, I've, and that's where I've spent most of my you know, career is just trying to figure out like what's the best way to do this. And so there was definitely a, a trend for a really long time that you only open up the opportunity when it's qualified. And qualified can mean so many different things to so many different people. And what if the person's having a bad day that day? you know? And so I want to remove the subjectivity of those moments. And then again, if you close lost it, I'm going to get the reason why you close lost it. And 
really be able to like work fast and iterate to make sure that we are providing the best accounts to you any given time. So for me, it's really about like the iteration of those things too. And and today, are you doing a one-to-one with the lead in the opportunity or do you put multiple buyers into that one opportunity? Yeah. So we use the contact roles on the opportunity so that there are multiple buyers for that. But typically it's, I mean, I don't have like hard or fast rules on this right now, as far as like who the primary is, but the whole goal is that if there's five to 10 people in the buyer's process, we'll add all of them to that. And honestly, then that's, that's how Salesforce works the best. And that's how so many other platforms like visible relies on the contact roles. Six Sense relies on the contact roles. Just basic campaign influence for Salesforce relies on contact roles. So it's just a best practice that like you need to get into. The other best practice is you always want to make sure people are in campaigns. It's like the most underutilized object in Salesforce, but it's like everybody who's in Salesforce should be in at least one campaign so that you can understand what, what are the things that are, that are leading to opportunities being closed one. And you don't want to... I guess I'm going to say it this way, like you want to make sure that all those contact roles are on there because then it kind of narrows down like, you know, this whole vat of like campaigns that could have gone into it, but you only want the ones that are attributed to the people who are part of the process. So in your role, do you look both at the campaign effectiveness as well as the sales process stages, like speed to responding or actioning? You're looking at both aspects. Yep. Yep. And so that's why like my, like just, just my background in general from being in, well, really an individual contributor to being an SDR manager, to being a BDR manager, to being in sales operations, to being in revenue operations. Like I've lived every single one of these roles. And so like, I'm able to really fully understand the impact of every single stage of the journey, which, which makes me a good fit for my role. And anybody else who potentially could be looking at this role is like, you want somebody who intimately understands the sales process, not just the sales process, but from a marketing aspect and how it impacts the customer journey as well. And so everything that we're doing, like I, I have to look at it from the lens too of the what are the best customers that we're pulling into the funnel that's going to help us increase our, you know, our customer retention rates as well. We don't want to put bad customers in. If they're just not a good fit, then we we just have to make sure that that the whole thing is flowing in a nice flywheel fashion. That sounds um, very forward thinking and super smart. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to say no to to some non best fit customers. You did mention that you can work with the the CSM or the CS group. Tell us more about that. What do you look for to kind of gauge if you are sourcing and going after the, the right fit? What what are some of the conversations you have there or data that you look at? Yeah, so that one is always a work in progress for me because I'm not as intimately with them. But right now what I'm doing is I'm working very, very closely with like our sales engineers because they have full extension into the post-sales process because not only are they working with our customers during the sales process, but they're also working with them post-sale. And so working with them is really important to make sure that we are gathering the right information early in the sales process and transferring that knowledge to them so that they can really vet if we can be a good fit for those, those customers. So so like the handoff for me right now is happening at that spot because like they're the ones that are helping 
through the like the, the full transition from sales to customer. That makes a lot of sense. They would be be key to those insights. So how do you manage all this? How do you stay organized every day looking across all of these different data points? Like what's your world look like? What tools are you using or how are you keeping track of everything to know how you're doing? I love Gantt charts and I, you know, it's, it's like one of these muscles that I've been like trying to like strengthen for a long time. It's really just about strategy, right? And it's, it's about being forward thinking and looking into the future and saying, this is where I want to go. Like, this is where I think we want to go. And really just being super, super clear about that vision. There's like huge pillars to get from point A to point B within that strategy. And there's always the sub bullets underneath all of those to get to that point. And so the, the first things first is like, I had this conversation the other day with somebody. I was like, you have to give yourself permission to stop and think. You just have to. Because the analogy that comes to mind is about like taking like a road trip. It's like, hey, I live in St. Louis right now and I want to go to Salt Lake City. It's a very far drive from here. I can follow the road signs and figure it out, figure out where I'm going to stop to get gas, to get food along the way. Or I can sit at home and I can think it through. I can think about exactly what highway I'm going to take. I can think about exactly what stops I'm going to make who I might need to help along or get help from along the way. And I bet you I'm going to get there 10 times faster than if I just try to figure it out. And so, so that's kind of the approach that I, I take to all of this is that like, I give myself that permission to like, just sit and just think about it and really be clear about the vision. And then I start to share the vision with others around me so that we can be clear about that vision together. Then once we're in lockstep with the vision is, then I start to identify what the milestones are in between that, like my key pillars. And then I start working towards those. And so I really just design my work quarters around my Gantt chart. I, I plot it out like, okay, in a perfect world, I will do this by this time, this by this time, this by this time. And, and then I just start executing on it. And so I can't tell you how many times like I have to change it around or things change or things shift, but not too much. But that's what typically what I do is like, I'll come in and I'll look at my, my flow chart, my Gantt chart and be like, okay, what do I need to accomplish today? What have I accomplished so far and what needs to be adjusted? So it's, it's, again, it's, it's just about being thoughtful. You have to, you have to have your plan plotted out for you and nobody else is going to do that except for you. So I'm just going to give yourself that time to, to really think about it. Those are excellent ideas. Love them. How does your manager then look at you in this role and say, yeah, she is kicking ass in what I expected from a pipeline strategist. Yeah. I think I've had an interesting response from him in a respect of like, I think that I, I completely changed the way that he thought about this role and the expectations that he had for this role are completely different than what he was, you know, the brainchild that he was thinking of. And so it's been fun and I'm so happy that like I have like the autonomy to really bring like what I know to this role and really shape it for what I know that it can be. And so I've been thinking about account-based selling since I was an SDR. It's just been something that's been like formulating in my brain for such a long time. And I've just been so curious about it for such a long time. And so it's really cool to be able to really bring it to life and to really execute on it. 
it's been fun. I will say like the, again, the biggest opportunity in this role, but also the biggest challenge in this role is about the cross-departmental collaboration. There are so many moving parts. There's so many people that you have to consider. There's so many ideas around what's going to work the best. And it's really about just having an open mind to how things can be shaped through this process. Like I said, like I, I find certain people that I can lock arms with. And I'm just really thankful that there are key pillar people here who share the same vision and share the same goals so that we can create the vision together and really start you know, walking in that direction together. If listeners are going, this sounds like a fabulous role. Would it be right at my company to go pitch it? It, it sounds like it would be kind of a no-brainer to to tee it up if your organization really does want to do account-based. Because like you said, there's so much to coordinate. So it's almost like you're the process composer creating those processes that work across those key metrics and helping everyone to improve. You're like bringing that strategic strategic eye to it as well. That's a huge reason why I joined this organization is because again, like I could sense that I could, I could really like, you know, flex my strategy muscle. And that was part of it. But also like when I saw the org chart, we have somebody who's in charge of sales operations, like from a Salesforce admin side of things, we have a business analyst here, we have an enablement person as well. And then I'm kind of like the fourth person in the quadrant who's like, I, I get to work on the strategy side of things. And so before I was all four of these people and but the strategy side of things always fell to the wayside because I was always having to put out fires, but also too, like I didn't quite have the lens that I do now of the value of allowing myself to just think about the destination that I want to head in and do all of the things that I'm doing today make sense towards that. And so I thinking back to my personal training background is that it's, it really, really shaped everything that I'm doing now, the way that I think, the way that I just process through things. I mean, weight loss is the exact same thing where it's like, if you want to lose weight, you have to do certain things in order to accomplish that goal. And so it's just being clear about where, again, where you're headed and, and why you want to go that way and the action steps you need to take in order to make that happen. You know, it's not just like, oh, I want to lose weight. Cool. I'm just going to sit and wait for it to happen. Like you have to do things to bring that dream to reality. And so, so this to me is like no different. You just got to think big and what's your plan to get there. Great advice. Our last OpStars event, we had the theme of the evolution of, of operations and moving from being a really tactical, troubleshooting, down in the weeds, dealing with systems and data to evolving to become much more strategic partner with the business. And in part, that can happen on a roll-by-roll basis as you can automate more and get yourselves elevated and freed up for time. But having a discrete role that that is dedicated to bringing that strategic thinking into the business. It makes a lot of sense to just establish it as its own independent role. Having someone like you in the team to help the team be more strategic seems like a great evolution for, for revenue operations. I would love to get your, your thoughts on the evolution of revenue operations. How do you see this continuing to evolve? I've heard people say, you know, in, in 18 to 24 months, we might see revenue operations leaders in the C-suite. 
there will be a chief revenue operations officer. Do you feel like there's there is a lot of momentum here that that is the way that that things could go? I definitely do think so. And, and when I think about even that person as well, like usually if you're in a, in a chief role, you're really about how can I strategize more effectively and how can I lead a team towards a common goal? And so exactly what you're saying is really about appointing somebody who is out of the tactical, right? Like that's the the challenge with so many revenue operations and sales ops people is that like always putting out fires. Like Sonar, for example, you know, we've had multiple conversations and, and one of their biggest things is really about flipping the pie chart from spending too much time on a tactical versus strategic. So like how do you spend more time on strategy and, and less time on the tactical stuff? And so to me, this whole trend is really leaning towards the symptom of like, we're not able to spend enough time thinking about where we're going and why we're going that direction. Because when you do that, then you have the ability to ask for more resources, scale your team, and really drive your revenue operations department to something that your company cannot live without. I think that one of the challenges that most revenue operations teams have is that they have a hard time buying for resources because they're too in the weeds and they're too tactical. So when you can step out and say, wow, we got a lot of stuff on our plate. What kind of resources do we need? And how can we be successful in this? You need somebody to think like that. And if it's a pipeline strategist, if it's a VP of operations or CRO or whatever, it's up to you how you want to do that. But the whole point is, is like you need somebody to think about and think through those things. Excellent ideas and an exciting role. And thank you for forging ahead with it, showing the way. Is it okay if folks want to reach out to you to learn more about it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've actually started a blog on this topic because I, I do want to share kind of like my learnings from like what I've been doing and how I'm viewing it. It's literally just called the pipelinestrategist.com. There's only one blog post on there. It's outdated, but the whole goal is for me to be able to share that stuff. So, you know, if a lot of people want to keep in their back pocket and, you know, check in on it every once in a while, they can do that. Great. Thank you. I can provide a link into any content or contact information. Yeah. If anybody wants to reach out, I'm happy to have conversations around it. I know I've been having smaller conversations within my network already and really just opening dialogue to the... It's, it's really about that permission to allow yourself to think as opposed to always being in a do mode all the time. You got to get out of that. Anything else you want to tell folks before we move to the final questions? So one thing I wanted to mention as far as what I mean by like giving yourself permission to think is that like sometimes we have time to think. We just don't allow ourselves that because there's so much pressure a lot of times to like do things because we get that immediate gratification from doing. And so even again, in those moments when we have time to do that, we have this urge to go and do. And so when you have that urge to go and like want to do something, you really have to like sit back and just say like, I have two hours right now and I'm just going to think through my vision and what I would like to accomplish and then figure out what I can do in order to accomplish that. So I think that's something that's really important to pay attention to here is like, even if you don't have a lot of time in your day to do that stuff, when you do have it, settle into it and know that you're, you're doing exactly what you need to be doing. 
Excellent. Well, I hope we see lots of pipeline strategists popping up on LinkedIn over the next uh, couple of years. So it'd be great. So final questions. What advice would you give to someone who's just about to start in their first operations role? I would definitely say to start forming these skills of thinking and delegation, because those are two things that ultimately are going to keep you out of the weeds in the future. So those are two skills that like right out the gate, like you just want to keep on your radar, even if you're not doing them right away, but to start flexing them so that as you grow in your role, then you've already been practicing them over time because they will come in handy if you plan to move into higher level roles within the sales ops or rev ops org. Oh, great advice. Thank you. And final question, who in the world of operations would you most like to take to lunch? Gosh, I have so many people that I love and would love to spend even more time with. I don't know if I can say two. I'm going to say two, maybe just three. But like Brad Smith over at Sonar, he's somebody that I really look up to in the revenue operations world. Super humble guy and just has a lot of passion for this role and a lot of great insights. So I would just love to just, you know, just have a casual lunch conversation with him. And then somebody else that I love to talk to when I can is Jackie Leahy. She's been known in the RevOps community for a long time. And she's always been so helpful um, in helping me grow in my, my roles. Those are the two on the list, but there's many more. Excellent. Thank you. This was very, very interesting. I love this role and I'm excited to be telling the community about it. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. I'm happy to share. It's really exciting. Great. Have a great day. The Upstars podcast is brought to you by Lean Data. To find out more about us and our suite of Salesforce native products for marketing, sales, and revenue operations, head to leandata.com. And then make sure to search for Opstars in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Opstars and Lean Data, thanks for listening.